How many of you have ever went shopping with little children in a grocery store? Isn't that fun? Where you're going down the aisle, and it doesn't matter what aisle you go down, there's something they've just got to have. They just got to have it. They want it. Oh, can we have that? I want that cereal. I want that toy. I want this. I want that. I want this. It's sometimes like for the poor wife when they take their husband along when he's hungry. I want this. I want that. I want that. You know, and, and I really believe most of the time, if our kids have had any experience doing this at all, they realize they probably aren't going to get it. They realize sometimes that, well, they do realize sometimes that if they whine enough, if they make a big enough scene, if they cry out loud enough and they're persistent and they just keep pounding on poor mom, they'll get what they want. Ever seen anybody in the grocery store and you're watching this and that's exactly what happens? The mom's going, put it back, put it back, put it back. Okay, put it in the cart. Now, not that I encourage that kind of persistence, but I think there's a lesson in this. Sometimes when we pray, I think we're like that little kid who just sees what they want and thinks they need this thing or they need that thing. Or maybe it really is something that they need. It really is something that would change whatever situation they're in. But they go about asking God like that little kid asked mom or dad in the grocery store. Lord, it sure be good if. I'd like that. Would you give me that? Would you give me that? And we sometimes when we pray like that, it seems like God's not hearing a word we're saying. Well, I'm convinced from the Bible that God hears every word we're saying, and he hears all those that we just think. But I think that there's something missing in our asking. And I'm going to be going through Psalms 107 this morning. And the title of my message is, Then They Cried Out to the Lord. They Cried Out to the Lord. Psalms 107, the first three verses, it's a phrase that you're probably very familiar with. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And when He has redeemed you from the hand of adverse adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east, and from the west, from the north, and from the south. Let's pray. God, I do thank You and praise You. We give You thanks. We give You praise. We give You adoration. God, we acknowledge that You are our sovereign God, that You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the Creator God. Father, you are our redeemer. You are the one who has redeemed us from sin. You've rescued us when we didn't deserve rescuing. God, you heal us. You are our healer, Jehovah Rapha. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you provide for us every day. Every day you promise to meet our needs. God, we thank you that we serve a good, good Father. In Jesus' name, amen. In Psalms 107, we're going to look at four different groups of people. And I sadly have to admit, I find myself in three or four of those groups at different times. And I'm pretty sure that you might even be able to connect with one of these groups of people or more. So I'm going to start by just reading a couple scriptures, and we're going to just talk about it a little bit. In Psalms 107, verses 4 and 5, I, these are the wanderers. These are those who have lost their way. It says, they wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty, and their soul fainted within them. These are those times in our life, or these are those people who in life are just kind of walking through life. They're just kind of going day by day by day, 
walking it out, no real destination, no real direction for their life, no real passion for what God has for them. They're just kind of doing the thing. These are the kind of people that jump from church to church. They jump from job to job. They jump from relationship to relationship looking for that something that will give life meaning, will give life direction. And it's never there. They're the wanderers. They could be wandering for a number of reasons. A series of poor choices that have been made. It could be circumstances or, or things, that have hap- things that have happened that are truly just out of their control. Sometimes it's caused by past hurts, things that have happened or they've experienced in their life. But whatever the cause is, there's really no peace. They're walking without peace. They're never at rest. Their contentment is a, a term they're not even vaguely familiar with. They're just wandering, lost. And notice it says hungry and thirsty. Really, hope is fading hungry and thirsty for something that will satisfy because nothing is satisfying. It says they're looking for an inhabited city, and what that really means is a place for habitation where there's a place for comfort, a place for peace, a place for contentment, and it's just not there. And they just keep wandering. And then they come to this place where they cry out to God. In verse... Six, And as you go through the psalm, you're going to see this repeated four different times. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. When they got to that place where they were tired of wandering, where they were tired of not having direction, They got to that place of brokenness. They got to that place where they may have cried out a prayer. I cried out once upon a time, Lord, this this is all there is. I don't want it anymore. And it says, when they cried out to the Lord. Now, cried out to the Lord. I don't know if you've ever truly, passionately cried out to the Lord. It's not a pretty sight. It's that place where there is an agony of your soul. There is a passion. There is something in you that has just got to cry out to God because there's nowhere else to go. And you may cry out to Him with weeping and tears. You may cry out to Him in all kinds of pain and agony. But when we do it, it seems like God's in the crying out. And notice how He responds. He delivered them. We're so good at trying to deliver ourselves we're so good at trying to find that something that will cause us to be able to stop wandering and looking thinking we're going to find it god when we cry out to him he will bring the deliverance he is the one who led them he leads us we hear his voice we hear the holy spirit you know he lives in you and me if we're christians he leads us to that place Psalms 23, it says, He leads us beside those still waters, that place of contentment, a place of peace, a place where we can find rest. That does not always mean that the circumstances around us have changed. 
What's changed is what God has done in my heart in my crying out to Him. The wanderers. And notice how God says that we are to respond when He comes and delivers us from our, in our crying out. He says, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Are we a grateful people? Are we a thankful people? Do we just spend time in our prayers, our meditation, just thanking Him? Thanking Him for who He is. Thanking Him for what He's done. Thanking you for giving your life direction and meaning. You know, sometimes I hear that often as a pastor. I just don't feel like I have anything to offer the world. Well, that's a lie. Because if you had nothing to offer the world, you'd already be home with Jesus. He will answer our prayers. Then we see, starting in verse 10, a second group of people. There were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains. I just call this second group of people the prisoners. They're trapped. It says, because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High, therefore he humbled their heart with labor, hard work, and they stumbled and there was no one to help. This group of people, darkness, deep gloom, it's that sensation of just being all alone. I think that, that we could say we know God but, and we know, know what his word says, but we just choose to ignore it. We choose not to listen. We choose to go our own direction. Uh, we probably think we know better than God. What he might ask us to do might stretch us. It's out of our comfort zone. It takes us beyond what we think we're capable of. And that's good news. And he will humble us. He will allow us to be humbled. He will bring us to that place. They had rebelled against God's word. When you see that, there's a conscious decision being made. It's not that they didn't know what the Word says. They just choose not to submit to it. How often in our lives do we have that same response to the Word of God? We know what the Word says about something. We just don't like it. So we choose to ignore it. And lo and behold, we're shocked when there's consequences for our rebelling against His Word. And we go on, alone. No one to really help us out of the mess we're in. And then once again, it says he humbled their hearts. And then in verse 13 it says, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Once again, they reached that place where they cried out to God. That cry of acknowledging, God, I admit I have sinned against you. I have rebelled against your word. Lord, I acknowledge these things. And when they cry out to Him, notice what it says. He saved them out of their distress. He rescued them. He brought them out of darkness into the, and the shadows of death. And He broke their bands apart and let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness and His wonders to the sons of men. He brought them out of darkness you know he uses the psalmist uses some really really powerful words here darkness chains 
He saves them, brings them out of their despair. Notice, first of all, God did it. And when you look at verse 16, he has shattered gates of bronze and and cut bars of iron asunder. I think there's a metaphor, a picture there for us to see sometimes just how strong those bondages can get. But it says the Lord will break them. And sometimes it takes more than a second in our lives. Sometimes those are, those are metals that are heavy. They're strong. But God will break them when we start with listening to his word. You know, the scriptures are clear. Obedience brings what? Blessing. Disobedience brings? Nobody wants to know what that is. Disobedience will bring curses onto our life. It's not God doing anything to us. It's just the consequences of sin. Consequences of rebellion. God's not standing there saying, boy, I get to punish him again. No, he's standing there going, oh, please, just turn to me. Turn to me. Listen to my word. Just listen to my word. He loves us so much. He does not want us walking in disobedience. But there are consequences to our rebellious nature. It's an act of pure love. He saves them. He rescues us. He brings us out of those dark places, breaks the bonds. And the response, once again, is what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I sometimes wonder just how much God is disappointed and hurt when we don't give thanks. You know, he has emotions. He has feelings. He's created us in his image, right? We have emotions. We have feelings. You know, it's a little disheartening, isn't it, when you pour out and you pour out and you pour out and you pour out and you never see anything resembling a thank you. You know, it's not our motive, but it sure is nice. God wants hearts of gratitude and thanksgiving. And the the response ought to be a no-brainer. Let's give thanks to the Lord. Verse 17, we see a third group of people. Here, the rebellion is a little bit more obvious. In verse 17, it says they're called fools. Because of their rebellious ways, because of their iniquities, they were afflicted. Their souls abhorred all kinds of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. I personally think this would be a reference to the unbeliever. One who has rebelled against the word of God completely. Who has chosen not to believe anything. And because of this choice, because of the iniquities, you know the iniquities, I mentioned this last night very briefly, but iniquity is one of those words that we don't use a lot. And most of us, if we hear the word iniquity, we probably just think of the word sin as if they're interchangeable. And in many cases they are. But the primary definition of that word in the original language expands upon that. It's not just the act, but it's also the consequence. So when we look at that in, the, in terms of their iniquities, in terms of the, the act and the consequences, because of their iniquities, because they chose to reject the, the grace of God, the unction of the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to them, and they chose to reject it, the consequences came upon them. And they 
afflictions of this life. And the greatest affliction for an unbeliever is eternal condemnation, hell. That is the great affliction. That is the affliction that was designed for every single one of us until we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. The justice of God had to be met. And he declared clearly that the penalty for sin, the wages of sin, is death. And death in that, dis- that example or in, in that usage means eternal separation from God. The fullness of his wrath coming upon as the consequence of sin. We're looking at these rebels, those that are in need of spiritual healing. They need to be reconciled. And God says, and the psalmist writes here, they're fools because of their rebellious ways. You need to understand God loves us fools even before we're saved. Sometimes we forget that. As a Christian, we can look at the unsaved and we find that there's a little bit of love lacking in our heart. We are to love like the Father first loved us. That verse we all know, John 3.16, what's it say? For God so loved the world. Who? The world. He gave His only Son to the world. The ability or the opportunity for every human being that's ever walked the earth is to be saved. There is that opportunity. Because Jesus died for everyone. The sad reality is some of them will not receive the gift. I know if you've shared Christ with people, you've maybe heard, the, heard people say something like, I will not serve a God who would send people to hell. You ever heard that? Want to know a good answer? God sends no one to hell. He loves the world so much He sent His Son to die on a cross that all may be saved. And the Scripture says He desires that none would perish. None. The only person that sends a person to hell is that person when you reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Those in need of spiritual healing. Notice where it says their soul abhorred food. It seems like a strange phrase in there, doesn't it? I believe what it's really showing us or saying to us is, you know what, when we are unsaved, when we don't know Jesus our Lord and Savior, sin is causing us to just rot inside to the outside. We are decaying from the inside out. It's like there's nothing good, nothing good coming in. The Scripture is clear. In us, before we're saved, there is not a single good thing. No matter what the world says, there's nothing of eternal value. Nothing. They might be good works. They might have a lot of gifts and talents. But as far as God's concerned, in terms of eternal value, zip. It'll all burn on Judgment Day. But, born again, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, that eating away on the inside is dealt with just like that. That, that, that place, that rot. You know, what, you know what the world needs? They need the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. Their, their, their body, their, their very being, even in their physical nature, is desiring. We were created to receive the bread of life. 
to receive Christ into our hearts. Again, strong words. They drew near to the gate of death. I would paraphrase that the way we often say it. We sometimes say it or often say it like this. We finally reached rock bottom. Finally reached rock bottom. We reached that place where there is absolutely nowhere to go. There's no one to turn to. There's no answer in the natural. There is nothing the world has to offer that will save us. The psalmist writes the gates of death. I just think it's rock bottom. And we hit rock bottom. I believe the Holy Spirit is always there extending grace to those who would want to receive it. And that grace then has to be either accepted or rejected. And when it's accepted, when we cry out, there's where it says again in verse 19, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. They cried out. You know, I think all of us that are Christians reach that point somewhere in our life. Hopefully it wasn't as deep, a dark place, and we weren't all as close to the gate of death as some of us in here. But some of us in here, I know some of our stories. I know my story. I know, I remember crying out that night in the dark on the floor of my living room with my wife and baby upstairs, saying, God, if this is all there is, I don't want anything to do with it. That cry of desperation. That crying out to God that it's not coming from here it's coming from the heart, that place. And it says, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them from their distresses. He sent His Word, and the Word healed them. They needed, I needed, you needed spiritual healing. And it's the Word of God that brings that healing. The Word of God that tells us that God loves us and sent His Son. It's the Word of God that tells us that Jesus' blood was sufficient as evidenced by the resurrection. It's the Word of God that's filled with the promises of God that are for every single one of us as believers that we can walk in. And it says, the Word of God. They cried out and He saved them. He sent His Word and it healed them. And He delivered them from their destructions. He delivered them from the pits that they were in. He delivered them. He delivered you and delivered me if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He delivered us. And again, notice, He sent His Word. He saved us. He delivered us. He did it all. All we have to do is receive it. Receive it. Salvation from our end is not a difficult thing. Jesus paid the price in full through his death, the wrath he endured, and his resurrection. We just receive the gift of eternal life. It's that salvation by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. He set them free. And now look at what he expects in return. It's a little bit more this time. It starts in verse 21. Let them give thanks 
to the Lord for his loving kindness. There it is again, thanks and thanksgiving. But then it goes on and says, let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. Here God is saying, and I believe it, this is one of the reasons I believe it could easily be a picture of the unsaved person getting saved. He wants us to give thanks for what he's done. And he wants us to offer sacrifices, not like in the Old Testament, not like we're going to go kill some animal and put it on the cross. But I believe what he's saying is, you know what? Do something. Actions. Faith without works is a dead faith. Take a step of faith. It may only be, I'm going to go tell someone. I'm just going to go tell. Faith. Offer a sacrifice. He is now first. You are definitely second. And then it says, in my translation, it says uh, extol, I believe. Am I in the right spot? Can anybody help me? Tell of his works with joyful singing. Praise. Praise. Praise him. That's what we were doing this morning earlier, praising him. But you know what? We sometimes call it this, our, that was our praise portion of the week. No, everything that we do is a form of praise and worship. Everything we do, if it's to the glory of God, is a form of praise and worship. Everything. At your workplace, in your home, relationships, everything you do is a form of praise and worship to God for the person who is a Christian. Do something and tell in verse 22. Let them also offer sacrifices and tell of his works with joyful singing. And the next group starts in the very next verse, verse 23. I had to do a little digging because it didn't make much sense to me. All of a sudden we're talking about a bunch of sailors. But he switches and he says, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens and they went down in the depths. Their souls melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and they were at wit's end. Sailors in ancient times, biblical times, pre-biblical times, when the psalmist would have been writing this, sailors were those who, as it says here, they go out to sea and it's business, it's not play. They're serious about what their work is. They're going out there. But it also says they have experienced and seem to have a deeper understanding of the things of God because of where they're at. So they have this understanding. They have this this wisdom or knowledge, they would have been some who that you might say, let's go talk to them. They've experienced God. They know more about God than I do. Let's go talk to that person. A seriousness to the undertaking of what they were about to do. But when the tests and trials come, when the tests and trials come, the tests and trials that come that are to string, build our faith. Build our faith. These are not tests and trials to entice us to sin. That's not God. That's the devil's job. 
But when tests and trials come to help us build a steadfastness in us, to build a a determination in our faith that we're going to, to hang in there no matter what, there are times when our faith can waver. Anybody ever experienced that? Just one? Just me and one other person? Wow. Cindy and I were relatively relatively new Christians. And I was working for Relco at the time. And I'd been down in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, putting on a producer meeting with a bunch of people that thought I'd talk funny. And I had driven across to Texas and was putting on a producer meeting. And my wife calls. And my son is having seizures. How old was he? 18 months. Luke, the one that was playing guitar over here for our visitors. He's having seizures. And, and I get in the car and I drive from Texas all the way to Algona, Iowa, where he's in the hospital because my wife was at her mother-in-law's. And the whole way, I'm just, I am crying out to God. If I could tell you one time where I truly cried out to God, it was when we had this news about my son. And to make a long story relatively short, I discovered as we we came home and we took him to Sioux Falls and they did the MRI on this little baby, they come and they tell us, well, there's one of three things. This part of his brain, it's either filled with fluid or it's a tumor or there's nothing there. Not very good choices. We cried out to God. Turned out there was nothing there. He had had a stroke in uterus while he was being formed in Cindy's womb. And where the stroke occurred in his brain, the brain just atrophied and disappeared. It never developed. So one third lobe of of Luke's cerebellum is missing. It's not there. How many of you know, okay, little kids in here, that sucked. (laughs) We didn't know what to do other than fast and pray and cry out to God. Then we started taking them to all these wonderful doctors and specialists that I don't, they were wonderful and all that. But they didn't know what God could do. So we finally, we'd go to these specialists in Sioux Falls, we'd drive down there and we'd drive down there and you know what they tell us every time we go? Well, he's never going to do this. He's never going to be that. He's not going to be able to do this. He's not going to be able to learn. He won't be able to ride a bike. He won't be able to probably walk a straight line. He's going to have all kinds of, of, of problems. Finally, one day I told Cindy on the way home, we aren't going back to Sioux Falls ever again. I don't need to hear that crap. It was not helping build my faith. And we just got the help that we needed. Occupational therapists, physical therapists, speech therapists. And this kid who was not supposed to be able to do all those things ran cross-country carries a shotgun and hunts, hasn't ran into a wall for a long time. (laughs) Somehow or other, when you're not supposed to have any of these fine motor skills, he learned how to to play the guitar and worship the Lord. And he has a tattoo, and I'm not that big on tattoos. But there's a scripture verse that became his life verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Could have just wrote it on paper. (laughs) 
But the Word of God says when we cry out to Him, He hears us. And He will intervene. He didn't grow a brain. He intervened. You know what He did more than anything? was in the life of my wife and me. All of a sudden, there was a peace in the middle of the storm. All of a sudden, there was a confidence in who God was. The change wasn't in Luke instantly. It was in Cindy and me. We learned what it meant to cry out to God. I'm a pretty, or what I would like to say was, I'm a pretty, I was a pretty self-sufficient, prideful, arrogant, I could go on. If I got tired, Cindy could fill it in. But it began a process of brokenness that just continues. I wish I could tell you it was done. But it just continues. In our crying out to God, it says the Lord delivers. How He delivers, I don't know. Some of you have been in circumstances and situations where I believe with all my heart you were crying out to God with all your heart. But I know when I'm crying out to God sometimes, I want Him to do what I want Him to do when I want Him to do it. And when I'm crying out to God, what does it say He's going to do? He says in the Scripture, He'll never give you or me more than we can endure without providing a way of escape. All of us who believe. You know what? That doesn't mean the circumstance will change. He will take me to a new place in my spiritual walk. We're in the midst of the storm. Even when it turns out the way I don't want to turn out, my life can go on. My eyes can be on Him. I can continue to walk out the calling and destiny that He has on my life. He gives me that kind of grace. I find that kind of peace. He provides the way of escape. And if you're always looking for the doorway of the way of escape, let me tell you what it is. It's Jesus. Jesus is always the way of escape. And what does He tell us to do? In verse 31 and 32, he tells us, Give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness. You hear it a lot around this church. He loves you. He just flat out loves you. You aren't perfect, but He still loves you. When you become a child of God, you are a child of God. Period, exclamation point. He loves you. We are to give thanks for His loving kindness and for His wonders to the sons of men. Then He goes on and says, let them extol Him. And that's the word I was looking for. I just love that. Let them extol Him also in the congregation. Let us gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ and let's just worship Him. Worship Him. You know, if I was a visitor and I came to this church for the first time after I left the church I left umpteen years ago, I'd have thought, what in the world are these people doing singing these songs for 35 minutes? And they seem to like it. They're nuts. Yes, 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 and yes. When we know who God is and we know what He's done, we want to extol Him. We want to worship Him. It's not some dry words coming out of our mouth. Dry words coming from a heart that's dry. They're words coming from a heart that's been changed and transformed by Jesus Christ. We should extol Him in the congregation and praise Him at the seat of elders. The rest of the chapter goes on and talks about what God can do. He will do things to keep us on track. 
He will allow circumstances and situations in our life. Just like you, you discipline or correct your children, he'll, he'll keep us going there. And the blessings will abound when we stay on that track. But I believe as you go through Psalms 107, you're going to see that deep cry from your soul. God's in that crying out to God, to crying out to him. There's those things. If it's for lost loved ones, family members that don't know Jesus, circumstances, trials we're going through, man, get serious with the Lord. If your faith is in him, let him know that he's the only one and you trust him. Crying out to him, humbly acknowledging that we need him. Crying out to him. If you're one of those that's wandering aimlessly, don't know where you're headed, don't know where you're going, just cry out to him. He'll tell you. He'll show you. Don't expect him to take you to the finish line right away. It's a long race. But cry out to him. If you know God, but you're not where you should be, you're not really walking with him, you've chosen to go some in your own direction, your own place, and you're finding yourself kind of feeling dark and empty, just cry out to him. Just cry out to him. And if there's somebody here that doesn't know who Jesus is and what he's done for you personally, you've never, never accepted the fact that you're a sinner and you need a Savior and Jesus Christ was that Savior, cry out to him. His grace will be there. And if you just have lost your focus, you're a Christian, you love the Lord, but you've lost your focus. Cry out to him. He'll give you that focus back. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I pray you put, by your grace, a passion in us, a fire in us, God, for you and for your things. God, that we would be crying out to you. Put those burdens on our heart, Father. If, if we're in that place right now where there's relative peace and calm, God, I pray you put a burden for the lost in our hearts. God, that we would cry out to you for the lost. God, I pray for those that I know in here are looking and wondering, where do they fit? What's my purpose? God, put a passion to cry out to you in their hearts. Give them the grace to crucify the flesh and cry out to you. Lord, if there be prodigals here that know they're not walking where they need to walk, Lord, I pray that the enemy's voice would be silenced and guilt and shame would have no place, but that they would just cry out to you and discover your arms extended towards them. And Lord, for those that don't know Jesus, God, I pray that you would just open their hearts to receive the good news of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that your arm is never shortened. You are always able. God, that you do not turn your back upon us. You're always waiting for us to turn back to you. We thank you, Lord. Amen.